Today, we're going to be continuing a series of talks on the topic of, of money, and we're actually going to be focusing on, on the subject of debt today, um, which I'm aware this is a, a, perhaps an unusual and a sensitive topic. You might be here visiting for the dedication. You're like, wow, that, I wasn't expecting to hear about debt. But I hope that this will be relevant and helpful. Obviously, it's very relevant for us at the moment as a nation. We've just had the biggest interest rate hike in over 30 years this week. Um, prime ministers recently lost their job principally around a conversation around public borrowing. And I'm aware that it's a really sensitive topic for people personally amidst the cost of living crisis that we're in. Um, just this week, I was, um, or last week, I was chatting to the um, Step Forward um, Money Advice Team, the debt counselling service that we run out of Trend Compassion. And they're just telling me about a, a lady, a single mum, who's one of their clients. She has got two kids. She's living in a privately rented damp flat. And she's working two jobs, plus extra part-time hours in a third role. Um, but she's still reliant on food banks and struggling to cover the basic bills. That's how, trad uh, how hard things are. And so before we just get too far into this today, I just want to say, if there's any, as I start talking about debt, if there's any concern that this is going to leave you feeling bad or judged about your financial situation, the truth is none of us are totally immune from the sort of factors that can drastically affect our finances, whether it's cost of living, redundancy, tragic life events, addiction, ill health. And I doubt any of us, any of us would pretend that we have always handled money well. In fact, just you know, last time John was here talking about this topic, he acknowledged this. He said himself, I have not always handled money well. I have um, wasted it by not managing it closely. I've not been diligent at looking after the pennies. I've given in to the pressurizing salesman and signed on his dotted line for something I didn't really need. And I've bought things in sales because they were a bargain, only to regret it as soon as I got home. And I don't know if you resonate with any of that, but I was just thinking, tick, tick, tick. I've done all those things, especially regretting purchasing things in the sales. I've um, often fallen victim to that, you know, treacherous middle of little area and come home, you know, because I needed some welding equipment or something. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just, that's a caveat, really. I'm just aware this is a sensitive cop topic. It's complex. Um, but I think it's, a, it's an important topic because it's a big part of our culture and actually a big part of many of our lives. Even those of us who don't have any personal debt, um, we still live in a country with significant public debts. Big old chunk of our tax goes towards interest on paying off um, that interest, that, that, that credit. A similar amount, um, apparently, to the amount we budget on education as a nation. So it's a big part of our lives. And of course, for many other, others of us, loans, mortgages, credit cards, overdrafts, that sort of thing, part of our life. According to the Bank of England, the average UK adult has just over £30,000 of debt. So in this room, that represents something like, I'm guessing, probably about 20 million. Look at the numbers that we've got in the room today. And that money will have been borrowed for a whole different range of reasons. Sometimes we borrow out of necessity, like the example of that woman that I mentioned just a moment ago, and when circumstances force us. And um, we get a little glimpse into God's heart for people who are forced into debt um, in a bunch of places in the Bible. For example, in the book story of Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, it describes a time when the nation of Israel were sort of trying to rebuild themselves after a total collapse, like military, economic, social collapse, political collapse. And then in the midst of that, a famine hit them. 
And so they were just winded by it. And the people were crying out in Nehemiah chapter 5, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And it continues a little bit further. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. And I love it. Um, during that time, Nehemiah, who's kind of like leading um, the people, um, and he's very much acting as God's servant and to some degree God's spokesman, he gets angry about this. And he says, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was angry. I pondered them in my mind, and then I accused the nobles and the officials. And I love this. It says, like the people who are oppressing them, it says, they kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. And then Nehemiah continues, give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves and houses, and also the interest you are charging them. And I think, as I say, this story, it just gives us a glimpse, a little insight into what I believe we see in the wider Bible story of God's heart for those that are forced into debt out of necessity. Um, and, and having scanned around the Bible these last few weeks, personally, I can find no judgment or condemnation for people who are in that circumstance, only compassion and protection. So if that is your situation, I believe that is God's heart. Now, other times, of course, debt isn't so much a necessity, it's more of a strategy. Things like mortgages, uh, business loans, uh, or a loan so that we can get a car for commuting to a particular job. And then, of course, beyond that, there are times when it isn't really a necessity, it isn't really a strategy, it's just that we want something and we can't afford it. You know, like, um, it's the meal out for somebody's birthday and it's four days before payday, or there's a holiday that you, you can't quite afford, but you could just really do with it. And these are the kind of things that just get slapped on the credit card. And part of the problem with that is that it's never been easier to do that, has it? Like, just when you're on your phone. Um, the other day, I bought something for five pounds on my phone, and I was offered the opportunity to break it down into three easy-to-pay installments. Or I've heard that, you know, like Deliveroo now, you can just do that, you can just put it on credit easily. And I guess one of the questions that I want to consider today is, is that kind of borrowing a good thing? Like, is that, is that morally neutral? Because, of course, you could say, well, you know, if somebody wants to just treat themselves to something now and pop it on a credit card, they'll, pop, you know, they'll pay a bit more money for it, but surely that is their choice. They're not hurting anybody by doing that. So what I want to do is look at, we're going to sort of not necessarily be in one particular Bible passage today. We're going to skip around the Bible a bit and try and build a bit of a picture, really, of what God thinks about these different kinds of debt. And just as a bit of a sort of a spoiler alert, um, where we're going to get to, as far as I can tell, I don't think the Bible anywhere outright says that borrowing is absolutely wrong. There are some passages that seem to warn against or advise us against borrowing, but there are also places in the Bible that seem to give advice about how and when to lend people money. So I don't, I, I'm not going to be like dishing out hard and fast rules here. It's more principles. And like I say, wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances, I hope that these principles are useful as we seek to you know, use money well and responsibly. So here's the first principle I think we get from the Bible. There is a power dynamic at play. When we're thinking of borrowing, we're to be mindful that um, power is, is flowing. As credit comes towards us, power, power inevitably flows away from us. Did you notice in the Nehemiah story, the citizens cried out, we are powerless because our fields belong to others. And in Proverbs chapter 22, it says something similar. The rich rule over the poor, 
and the borrower is slave to the lender. And if you've ever, if you've ever been deeper in debt than you kind of intended to be, you'll, be, you'll know that feeling, you'll be familiar with that feeling. There is a sense that the lender, that the bank or whoever it is, has a power over you. And there is a sense that you feel trapped and it's not a pleasant feeling. Um, Abby and I, we, we are familiar with that feeling. From, we remember back when we bought our first house and um, we now know that apparently when you, when, if you're in a position where you're able to buy a house, um, it makes economic sense to, um, you want to try and buy it when the house market is low, you want to try and get a good interest rate on your mortgage, and it can be a good idea to consider buying a house that's like um, a rundown house on an upmarket street because it has more potential to increase in value. So we bought the nice house on the most affordable street. We bought at a historic peak in house prices just before the credit crunch. And we also, mortgage-wise, we, we locked into a 10-year fix just before the Bank of England slashed rates from 5% to 1%. So you're probably thinking, what is this guy doing on the stage talking about money? He hasn't got a clue. And you, this is a fair point. But it, was a, it left us in a horrible place. It, it, we were trapped in negative equity. Our house wasn't worth what we paid for it. All the savings that we'd put into that deposit for that house just got like, absorbed by that loss in value. It was disappeared. And we were paying hundreds of pounds of interest every month, more than the going rate. And it just began to feel like our whole lives were being lived in this building that represented debt. And I have to be honest and say that it really did sort of start to affect my whole outlook on life. Um, it started, I, I started to compare myself to people who got more money or, or find myself being jealous towards people who'd made better decisions or more fortunate decisions. And during that time, we had to stop and kind of dig in a little bit emotionally and remind ourselves from time to time that actually we were rich. We were so wealthy during that time. We both, for, I mean, like practically, we both had jobs, which meant that we could cover the bills. But also, more than that, we were, we were happily married in that house. We still are. Um, we, <laughs> we started um, a family in that home. And God was doing stuff on that street. And we made friends with our neighbors and, and, and got them to bring them here and people come to faith. But in the midst of all that, this financial situation, I have to admit, it did. It kept on trying to get under my skin. It was like this invisible internal thing that affected me in a way that it was, it was more than just material. It was more than just practical. It was on an emotional level. And I would even go beyond that and say, I think it affected me on a spiritual level. Because I think the, the reality is there is a spiritual dynamic at play. As credit flows one way, power flows the other. As credit is offered us to one hand, the other hand subtly grasps power from us. And I think that's not just materially, spiritually too. Because the context of our whole lives really is that we, we live our lives here amidst a spiritual reality where there is an ongoing spiritual battle between God and the devil, between the kingdom of God and Satan's domain of darkness. The Bible talks about this. It's a reality. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the lives that we live here, our everyday lives, the challenges and the struggles we face, they are actually connected to that big spiritual war. And every human heart in this room is a strategic target in that battle. And I believe that money 
is one, of, is one of the big areas of conflict. And the whole area of loans and debt is a, is a battleground. It's a battleground for us. And so if you just think about it intuitively, you know, I mean, like the world that we live in, the way that we're offered credit so much, um, just intuitively think about the dynamic that happens when you offered that, you know, that invitation to buy now, pay later. What's going on is you're offered with, with one hand, you're offered instant gratification, whilst on the other hand, the, cred, the power is being taken over us, isn't it? As we sign that, as we tap that card, as we sign that loan, as credit flows one way, power flows the other. And if there's an unsettling familiarity about that, when you think about it, it's because that strategy is right out of the devil's playbook. It's the story of the fall in the Garden of Eden. The devil offers us everything with one hand, whilst with the other hand, he takes away our God-given authority and power as stewards over the earth. So, I'm not saying necessarily that every loan, every mortgage, the devil's behind it. Of course not. I can't find that in the Bible. But I think there is enough in the Bible to deduce that this whole area of debt and loans can be a spiritual battleground, one that the devil wants to take advantage of it. And we might not necessarily appreciate it when we sign that loan, when we tap that card, when we press buy now, when we see that advert for something that we can't afford now, but we're told this message, you can have it now and pay later And the desire starts to inflate within us in that moment, doesn't it? We need to be mindful that there is a power dynamic in play. And that little tussle inside of us in that moment is connected to that big tussle up there. The devil is happy when we submit to money as our master. And he's delighted when we become snared in debt. And of course, in the contrast to that, God is the opposite. In Hebrews chapter 13, he says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He desires that we wouldn't get snared in the first place, that we would live knowing that in him, we have all that we need. So that's the first principle. There is a power dynamic in play. Be mindful of that. The second principle that I think we get from the Bible, borrowing now creates future risk. Borrowing now creates future hit risk. Now, as humans, we are brilliant at making plans, aren't we? Um, it's one of the things that sets us apart from all the other creatures. And um, six years ago, as an example of this, um, we, got, we needed a new car. Our car was dying. So I started to make some plans. I got the spreadsheets out, had a really good time with the spreadsheets, working out you know, monthly payments, fuel costs, tax costs, insurance, things like that. And I came to the conclusion that um, buying a newish car at that point using a cheap bank loan that I could get might save us money over buying an old banger outright that we could afford to buy outright. And so that's what we did. And I have to say, in that particular situation, it actually worked out really well. I think over the years, we've saved some money in that situation. But of course, there were risks within that that I didn't necessarily factor in. So for example, that car could have turned out to be a really unreliable car. Um, We could have found ourselves in a situation where we didn't need a car anymore, but we were still committed to paying off that loan. Um, We could have got sick. We could have lost our jobs. And the Bible warns us to, to, to think about these things. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 26, it says, Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. And of course, this isn't, you know, we're surrounded with lots of messages about credit, 
this isn't the message that we get in the world. You know, last time you went to buy a bed in the bed showroom, they didn't have this Bible verse on the wall, did they? No, they probably had pay next year. Don't worry about that. Just get the bed that's the comfiest one. It's not the advice of the world, but it's really, really helpful. Now, I think, just as an aside, I've given an example of a proverb there. The book of Proverbs in the Bible um, is an amazing collection of wisdom sayings, and my understanding is that the best way to receive them is not like legal clauses, but to think of them as affectionate advice from the most wise, caring person you can imagine. And so I think this vice here is, is not so much necessarily an outright ban on borrowing, although you might look at it and think it's telling me to never borrow. I think most of all it's a, wary to be war- Sorry, it's a warning to be wary of the risks of borrowing and not to overlook that circumstances could change, especially if we're um, putting assets against that borrowing. And advice elsewhere in the Bible would appear to, to back this up in James It says, now listen to you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money while you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. The advice is don't be, you know, don't be hasty. Don't be arrogant about assuming that you've, you know, got the future all mapped out. What happens if interest rates change? And it looks like they will continue to. What happens if somebody that I'm depending on lets me down? What happens if I lose my job or if my business dries up? And so the advice out of all this would be, if we're choosing to borrow and to do so wisely, to spend some time to think about the possible risks ahead, what happens if things change? And it might mean that, for example, we we borrow, if we're going to borrow for a mortgage, you know, rather than just borrow automatically the maximum they'll lend us, to think about what could I afford if interest rates went up a couple of percent? third principle I think the Bible would encourage us to consider is to be conscientious in paying debt off. Um, a little scenario, man walks into a pub, sees somebody that he thinks he recognizes, he says, are you Joe Bloggs? And the man replies, does, that depends, does Joe Bloggs owe you any money? The jokes are a bit thin on this debt topic, you know, it's hard to come up with any, so that's as good as it gets, really. But Psalm 37, verse uh, 21 says this, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. I think this little advice here is particularly pertinent to those kind of debts where there isn't necessarily pressure to pay it off. You know, for example, you might have had a loan from a, from a friend or a family parent, parents, or it might be one of those um, credit cards where you've got those 0% balance transfers and it just ends up getting transferred from card to card because you, can, you, know, you think, oh, I'll pay it off later. The advice of the Bible would be, you know, consider paying that off soon. The wicked borrow and do not repay. The wicked borrow money off people and then avoid them so they don't have to pay it back. But of course, choosing to live with unpaid debts, it leaves us inevitably with less flexibility in the future. And you notice, going back to this verse, there's a sort of, there's two parallel sort of like principles in tension here. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. God desires that we would be generous and and use the money that we've got um, to bless others. But of course, if we're committed to paying off loans and we've got interest, we're more restricted from being free to do that. And that's, this is really beginning to touch on the final principle that I want to draw out, and that is that God loves us to be open-handed stewards. As I said earlier, as far as I can tell, I don't think the Bible holds any condemnation for people who are forced into debt by their circumstances. 
And I would say, in fact, as I've been looking through the Bible the last few weeks on this topic, my reflection is that the Bible's got far more to say to potential lenders than it does to potential borrowers. And to people who have the means to actually lend others, there's lots of advice. Here's some examples. Proverbs 19, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. Matthew chapter 5, verse 42, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then Exodus um, chapter 22 Verse 25 to 27, if you lend money to one of my people among you who's needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. In, in that time, the cloak would have been the most valuable thing that that person, a poor person would have had. They would have put it up as the security for a loan. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, says God, for I am compassionate. Now I'm sort of skipping around the Bible there, Old Testament, New Testament, but you see the picture emerging is that I don't think God is against lending per se. I think rather God likes the idea of God's people generously sharing and lending, compassionately resourcing one another wherever there is need. However, I think he is clearly against those who seek to take advantage of the people in, 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 in dire circumstances. He is against those who would extort the poor. You know, back in that example from Nehemiah I mentioned, do you remember right at the start, the poor were disempowered. They were trapped in their debts. But God used Nehemiah to re-empower them, to reverse that situation, turn it upside down from the way the world was working because that's how the, God, the kingdom of God works. It flows the opposite direction to the world around us. And so in the kingdom of God, it's the role of the resourced to help and reinstate and re-empower those who have lost it. The Bible acknowledges, and Jesus told us, you'll always have the poor amongst you. And so it's the role of those who, are, who have resources, who have wealth at their disposal, um, to, to use that wealth and see that wealth accurately, to see that actually what's in my hands doesn't belong to me. It's actually God's, and I hold it as a steward and I, I, I see it best that way, and I use it best when I seek to invest it in, his God, in God's kingdom where it has eternal worth. And just as, you know, it's helpful to sort of think about, just as God's kingdom breaks into a situation when we, you know, we, we, we pray for somebody and hope that they'll get healed and hope that God's kingdom break in that way, we share a prophetic word and God's kingdom breaks in as they are enlightened. In the same way, God's kingdom breaks into a person's life when they're shown compassion and generosity, the compassion of the kingdom, and they're released and they're re-empowered. So for those of us who are here today and perhaps, you know, we have good income, we've got wealth, um, just see that if we live our lives in this ongoing pattern of just consciously ongoing choosing to buy things on credit, um, to put things on credit cards so that we can enjoy and experience luxuries and things that are comfortable sooner, as long as we do that, we're less able, we have less flexibility to use that money for God's kingdom purposes. And so there is the risk that we're going to end up basically prioritizing our impatience for those things over his purposes. And that's a challenging thing, I think, for me personally, as I reflect on my own finances, um, even in you know, recent history, things like credit cards. My hope, as I wrote this talk, is that some of us would, would reflect on that today and this week and think about this week and think, do you know what? 
I'm going to pay off that credit card. I'm going to cut it up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, as I look ahead to, you know, the next few months and the expenses that are coming, I'm going to choose not to borrow to pay for this and that and the other um, so that I have more flexibility to be generous. There might be some of us in the room who, you know, somebody owes you money and you're going to reflect and think, you know what, I'm actually resourced to cancel that debt and I'm going to do that today. Now, conversely, as I said earlier, there'll be some of us here today for whom debt is a major issue and a major source of anxiety in your life. And whether you got there through um, necessity, strategy, or whatever, doesn't matter today how you got into it. What matters is how you're going to get out to it. And um, I'd love just to close by sharing um, a little video of a conversation that I had this week with Heather, who is the manager of our Step Forward Money Debt Counseling Service. So I'm here with Heather, who is our, the centre manager of um, Step Forward Money, which is a free debt counselling service that we provide. It's part of Trend Compassion here, isn't it? That's right. So Heather, um, give us a bit of a snapshot. How are things going at the moment? Well, we're really busy, as you can imagine, with the cost of living crisis. We've got about 70 live cases going on at the moment, and some people have just self-referred, looked us up online and come along. Some have been referred from other agencies, and right. yeah, just try and help them where they are at the moment. Wow. And, you know, at the moment, I guess it's, it's difficult because there's financial pressures, but also it's still very easy to get into debt. It is, absolutely. Yeah, too easy, really. I know we had a client a little while ago. She um, wanted to have a £5,000 loan to get some Christmas presents, went online, and before she knew it, she got a £10,000 loan. And she was thrilled, but obviously we knew that it was going to be really difficult for her long-term in that yeah. situation. Oh, man. So people coming towards you from all different situations, how do, you, how do you help them? What are some of the things that you do to support people? So we can help people set up a, um, a way to manage their debt. So that might be if they're, they're very small, they can maybe have their debts written off, or if they're in danger of losing the house, we can go to court with them and hopefully help wow. Stop that happening. Wow. And is that stuff that, you, like, who, 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 are the, who are the people that support them? So we've got a, te a fantastic team. There's about um, 14 volunteers on our team um, and two staff. And so we, we see people not just here at Trent, but in different churches in Nottingham and try and go and meet people where their need is. So it's wow. a real privilege. That's incredible. And so um, of all the different sort of things that you get up to, what do you what do you love about it? Obviously, you must love it. So, yeah, what, what's, uh, what do you love about it? Yeah, we're just seeing people... Um, you know, they can come in feeling really low because they're carrying this weight of the debt and um, and they leave just saying they feel so much lighter. And that is yeah. just such a privilege knowing that we're walking alongside them in that journey. Um, we had a lady came to us a little while ago and she was just telling us about God's faithfulness and she was really witnessing to us. And she'd really struggled with money at the moment and really wanted a chicken for yeah. her tea one day and was just praying, God, I would like a chicken. Went out, ran to a friend for a cup of tea. And when she was there, the friend said, I really feel God telling me to give you a chicken. Wow. So she got one for tea that day. And again, just this week, a lady came and we were at a different centre where there's a food bank. We were able to help her get some food. And she um, really said she needed to get some tonic. She was feeling really low. And she knew she didn't have money for tonic, but her mum always swore by this tonic. And um, as we came out to get the fruit and veg, there was a bottle of tonic. And I'd never seen anything like that there before, but God provided it for us. So she was just blown away. Wow. And so um, sometimes, though, I'm assuming, though, a lot of the people that you're dealing with don't necessarily have a faith background, and that's not part of the story for them in such a big sure, way? Or? not at all. So, yeah, many people who come um, don't. And, you know, we always offer to pray with clients when they're there, give them the option. But nine times out of ten people say, yeah, please do. And wow. it's just such a privilege, you know. Maybe people have never had prayer in their life before and we can 
you know, share Jesus with them and offering that hope. So that's fantastic. Alongside the practicals, it's brilliant. I love Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Wow. And so um, if somebody um, is watching and perhaps they've got some financial difficulty, mm-hmm. What would you recommend? How could they reach out and get some help? Yeah, well, I think we're going to have our website, um, sorry, our email address shown on the screen. So just reach out to us. Um, and yeah, and not to be embarrassed at all by, you know, we, um, many people who work in the debt advice and our volunteers have been in that situation before, and we, or we know that we could very yeah. quickly be in that situation. So there's no stigma involved. We don't judge. We just want to support. And what's happened is in the past, and we just want to help them move forward. Brilliant. And you sort of get it. And I guess ultimately, um, it must, sometimes you must, go the whole journey and see people get totally set free what's that Absolutely. what's that like but yeah that is such a privilege we've got a client at the moment she's been with us four years wow. and she's been gradually paying off her debts but she's got to a situation now where she's able to have her debts written off and she can't quite believe it you know having struggled for so wow. many years to have a clean start is just really exciting what was it like after all that time like went to give her that news that yeah, must have felt amazing it really did yeah i don't think she could quite believe it you know but it was yeah fantastic brilliant brilliant so one of the barriers i guess to reaching out is people might feel a sense of embarrassment or shame about this yeah certainly not to at all because you know like i say we could all be in that situation very easily um and yeah we just want to help them move forward really brilliant well let's move forward thanks so much heather brilliant great stuff so you know, I hope if, if you're in a situation today where you've got money anxiety, you've got problems, I hope that is some encouragement. And my encouragement to you would be to, to reach out. The first step, you know, you might, be, you might feel like you're so far away from getting back to where you wanted to be. The first step is the most important step to take. And so we'd encourage you to take that step, to email that email address. Or if you didn't catch it, you can head over to the Connect area. They've got, you can sign up there. We, we've got flyers that you can take away. You could call the church office in the week, or if you just go on our website and scroll down to the bottom, at the very bottom, you'll see a link, step forward, and you can contact us that way. But my encouragement would be to step out, whether it's a debt issue or whether you've just reached that point at the moment where you're like, budgeting is becoming really hard, and you could do with some budgeting advice before it gets too severe. We would love to support you. Others of us in the room, it might be that just listening to that, you're inspired and you think, yeah, I'd love to be part of helping with that. And um, as, as Heather mentioned, we've got an amazing volunteer team who've been trained as debt counsellors. Um, but actually, the situation that we're in, we anticipate that the need is there, is only going to grow. And so if you're inspired about this, we'd love to hear from you the same through the same means to get trained up and get be part of that team. 